0: Welcome back to the Rocky Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today I have a guest host with me, and we are going to talk about retirement planning and why it's different for women. Now, my guest host has been on the Rocky Retirement Show before on episode number 93. This was a very popular episode where we talked about the stages of life. He's also the host of another podcast called Retire Hoppy, where he and his co-hosts talk about retirement topics while they sample beer from across the world. Yes, that's true. They sample beer. Now, check it out on your podcast catcher and also have a link to his show on the show notes. Our guest host retired from a biotech company in San Francisco when he was in his mid-50s, and he had a difficult adjustment in the very beginning, but was able to get past that. Ted started writing about the six stages of retirement, which is probably why his episode on my show was so popular. Many people over the years asked him how he was able to retire so young, and he started an earlier podcast, which is now completed, to answer that question. That podcast was called Retirement Journeys. Our guest host is Ted Carr. And if you haven't listened to his show, Retire Hobby, what are you waiting for? Beer and retirement. I mean, come on, people. What a great mix. But before we start talking about today's topic, I wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by, if you're watching on YouTube, the Medicare Quick Guide step-by-step guide for signing up for Medicare. This walks you step-by-step through each step that you need to go through on how to sign up for Medicare. And you you follow it exactly. You just check off when you've done it. And best of all, you don't even have to give me your email address. Just go to medicarequick.com slash checklist, and you can download it all for free. So Ted, thanks so much for joining me again today.
1: Oh, hi, Kathy. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me again. Uh, it's always great to see you and to work on a project with you. And uh, if I can add this note, I, I have to say that, you know, with my wife's uh, insight, inspiration, we have developed a, a real admiration for your style of podcasting. And uh, it's what I've tried to emulate as I've moved on from retirement attorneys to retired hobby. I appreciate you mentioning that. And uh, indeed, you're a guest on that program. And we had a lot of fun as well as provide a lot of creative information. So again, just thank you so much for having me back on your excellent show.
0: Well, thank you. I'm a little embarrassed, but um, I had a great time on your show. I'm not really much of a beer drinker, but I had a great time. And just for the listener, they made fun of the beer that I wanted to drink. (laughs) And I tried something new, which was was good. But anyway, enough of the Mutual Admiration Society going on here. Let's talk about retirement planning and why it's different for women. Now, you know, some of the listeners might not know that I am basically a retired financial advisor. I don't take on new clients, but the clients that I had from years ago when I, reti- when I semi-retired from that field, I went ahead and kept them. So some of these I do know a little bit about, but I'd love to hear your take on this. Oh, and the article that we are reading is from Booming Encore, and we'll post a link to it as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So thanks for finding in, it. The article is entitled Retirement Planning, Why is Different for Women? And I think that the subtitle should be, and uh, why is it more challenging or it poses more challenges. And uh, so I, I think some of the variables that women are dealing with that that you know don't affect men are the fact that women live longer than men, Uh, 81 versus 76. Although men mm -hmm.
0: are are catching up with us because our lifestyles are going downhill (laughs) (laughs) with stress and things, you know.
1: I know you're married to us. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's all about the men, but
0: but yes, men are catching up to our our lifestyles. But but you're correct, Ted. Right now, we do live a little bit longer than men do.
1: Mm -hmm. And then what that means, of course, is that women have more years of retirement fund and it increases their longevity risk, um, which is the risk of running out of or outliving your money, which is the number one concern of, of most retirees that, that are surveyed on that question. In and, and my my uh, experience, um, I guess, uh, my wife and I haven't done anything different or specific. And I asked her the question. There wasn't anything she's doing differently based on her presumed longevity versus mine. H- how about you? Is there anything you're doing differently based on longevity risk?
0: Well, when I was in my 40s, I purchased a long-term care policy.
1: mm. Mm -hmm, And,
0: mm -hmm. um, when I got married to my husband 10 years ago, I added him to the policy Mm -hmm. and that just gives me so much comfort. Now, the policy that I purchased, you can't buy anymore. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't buy long-term care because it's so dang expensive, but I'll give you a hint. The reason why it's so expensive is because a lot of us are going to need it because we're living Mm -hmm. a long time. Right. And um, I loved buying. I don't know about other states, but I purchased my policy in California where they have to include home health care. So, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, the thought of moving into a nursing home does not appeal to me. No. And um, just getting a little bit extra help. But but now that I've been doing the show, I don't know that I would necessarily want. Let, let's say I got dementia. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't necessarily want all of my care to be at home. I probably would want to go to a day Uh, uh, an adult day facility, because personally, I feel like you get better care in a group setting. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but I just feel like with the socialization that you get when you're in a group, it's better than being one-on-one. Because a lot of the caregivers, I mean, I I know they mean well, but just what I saw with my father-in-law, they don't talk to you. You know, Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm, (laughs) they're watching mm -hmm,
0: TV or whatever. And in a group setting, you're at least going to have other people to talk to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think that that points out, uh, you know, not only does the the financial side of retirement for women living longer um, have to be taken into consideration, but also the non-financial, the socialization, the care that we're referring to. So, you you know, the fact that women have more longevity implies financial considerations and also the non-financial side of things, too. So you have to take all those things into consideration and view them differently if you're a woman live like the golden girls. Well, you know, that's funny. That's something that I ran across in my my research. And uh, a lot of women, and maybe we can talk about that when we talk about the divorce reason, but that is another model for addressing the non-financial side of retirement. But before we move on to the other um, differences between men and women's uh, planning for retirement, one of the things I'm really passionate about when it comes to retirement planning is developing what I'll call a proper retirement plan. And if you can develop a detailed, retirement plan, it's going to catch a lot of the crucial aspects of preparing for retirement, things such as expenses, health health insurance, including long-term care, social security, work, investment management, and income generation. And I call it a forcing function.
0: And these are what you did before you retired young.
1: I would not have retired if I had not worked out a detailed retirement plan. You know, one
0: of the things that keeps me working, health insurance. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. and it's it's not that I'm on a group plan. I'm not. I, I have an individual plan, but right. the costs of health insurance for people under sixty-five is just astronomical. Um, right. Hopefully so you got a. Need. Did you get a plan through
1: your work? Well, we had Cobra. Yeah, we didn't have a retirement plan because I didn't retire per se. I just oh, quit. <laughs> and then being in the private insurance marketplace has been uh, an eye-opening experience, and not all good. No. Um, and we're still dealing with all of the churn. Yeah, I may certain. go
0: to one of those health share accounts that we talked about on your on your show.
1: Well, you don't drink it. I think that's a prereq for it. I so. drink a
0: little bit. I mean, I'm, <laughs> it depends on which one. There's, as you know, yeah. there's more than one. And and yeah. for the listener, if you're interested in learning about health share, we're not going to talk about it on this show. But that was mm-hmm. a topic that we discussed on Ted's show. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't remember the episode. I
1: don't but
0: um, it. but you could probably just go to his website and search yeah. health share or something. Yeah,
1: you yeah that find would it. work. That would work. Or or we can post. We, we can
0: post a link to it on on yeah, this show. You can sure. find it for me, and I'll post yeah. a link.
1: So another aspect of the whole differences between men and women is what they call the wage gap, and and you know from research that women earn only eighty one percent of what men do.
0: But you know, part of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm I'm uh, I look at both sides, right? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that everything is discrimination part of it is because a lot of us will take time off to raise our kids. And even if we don't take off two, three, four, five, seven years, Mm -hmm. we're taking off several months after we have our, and I know men can do that too, but typically it's the woman that does that. And so the employers, there's a gap there. And while Mm -hmm. you're not working, even though your job is waiting for you, other people are kind of moving ahead.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's definitely part of it. My mom, she took a job in retail and there wasn't a lot of um, career advancement or benefits except that she could take time off pretty much whenever she wanted to and that fit in with her lifestyle so it wasn't a career that could provide a lot of financial rewards but it provided a lot of lifestyle parenting rewards but then again you do fall behind because you know you're you're not out there grinding it out every day with other people that are you know working diligently to get ahead
0: right um,
1: there was a really interesting piece of research I saw recently from someone called Linda Babcock. She's a professor of economics at Carnegie Mellon. And it gets back to kind of what you were saying, where maybe not everything about the eighty-one percent that women are in of men is discriminatory. Some of it, I think, is based on nurturing. What I mean by that is that uh, women are not necessarily as uh, intense negotiators as as men are, and uh, according to the research at Linda has uh, done she says women who consistently negotiate their salary increases earn at least one million more during their careers than women who don't
0: wow
1: by not negotiating a great first salary an individual stands to lose more than five hundred thousand dollars by age 60 women undervalue themselves they often feel grateful to just have a job or get an offer and they underestimate their market value by up to 30%. For example, women may go off and they're 30% more likely to just offer the asking price for a home. They'll pay $200 more on average for a car. So I think the whole area of negotiation is maybe something that's built in Hmm. in terms of gender differences in how we're nurtured. But it does affect women in terms of that that pay gap because some of it is because of maybe not being a hard negotiator.
0: And that same not being a hard negotiator, I can think back to when I was full-time financial advisor and I had between 1,400 and 2,600 clients, depending on what year it was. Women, when I talked with men, I didn't hear, well, I can't do this because i got to save for my child's education, or I've got to do this for my child, or I've got to do that for... The men didn't... I didn't hear those words from men. It was always from women. And... Mm-hmm. um so they're putting a, aside their own needs. And even adult, even uh, adult women, you know, I have 80, you know, friends that are 70s, 80s that are sending money to their 40 and 50 year old children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, they they might not actually have the money to send, but they're doing it anyway.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah ab- absolutely.
0: Um, I don't see men I, doing that as, <clears throat> as much.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the whole thing about women as caregivers, they're more likely to be caring for an aged parent or a child than men are. And because it does affect their career, interrupts their career, maybe even they quit their job, you know, that affects their overall lifetime savings or in their social security and pension benefits that they have, and also 401ks. So, you know, that's just another challenge that women face financially. And and also, I think, just societal pressure of being sort of the person in charge of taking care of the family. It all adds up. All of it does. It, it all compounds. You're right. And then there's the whole notion of um, gray divorce.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a that's a big one.
1: The rate of divorce for people over 50 has doubled since 1990. It's gone down for other age groups, but for people over 50, it's actually doubled. Isn't that...
0: Uh, it's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad it to me, you know? And I'm over yeah. 50 now. I, I mean, thank goodness that we have a strong marriage, but I, I have seen my friends and what it does to them. I may mean, have one friend right now that started a business um, the same time I did and got divorced that, that same year, mm-hmm. started her divorce. You know, the divorce took a while. Mm-hmm. And now her husband is changing the terms. And mm-hmm. originally he said that she could stay in the house until the last child graduated. And now he's changed that and she's probably going to lose her home. Wow. Because he's going to oh. force the sale of it. So wow. even though she's not 50, she's in her 40s, I can still see how splitting the finances of a home. You know, it, you, two people can live, let's say you have $80,000. It's much easier for two people to live in one household on 80000 than it is for two people to live on mm-hmm. 40000 each, if that makes sense.
1: Right, right. right. Yeah. You know, my wife and I each keep our finances separate. My wife has her own investment accounts, her own checking. And I think she probably wanted to keep it that way because she had been married once before. Mm -hmm. And I think she was just comfortable managing her own affairs. And it also was sort of a a way of indemnifying, you know, her position in our marriage that she would always be self-sufficient. Unfortunately, a lot of married women, in fact, 56 percent, still leave the major investing and financial planning decisions to their spouses. And that comes from a report released by UBS on Global Wealth Management. So, you know. And then then they don't know how
0: to do it when he passes away.
1: Or when the divorce comes around, what are the surprises? Hidden spending, hidden debt, hidden accounts, outdated wills where the beneficiaries are all messed up. Mm. So. And in hindsight, according to this report, 94% of widows and divorcees would insist on complete financial transparency with their spouse. Well,
0: I have to tell you one thing that I ran across over and over again when I was a financial advisor, and that is, like you just said, outdated beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. And one of the, um, I don't remember what year it was, but it was early in my career where somebody died and the wife, you know, I had been working with this couple and, you know, The the wife was the remainder, and she thought that she was going to get this policy that they had, and it wound up going to his ex-wife because he had never changed the beneficiary. So from then on with all of my clients, even when I had 2,600 of them, um, during their annual review, we would go over beneficiaries, including beneficiaries of accounts that I did not manage. Mm -hmm. So let's say they had a 401k with a company that starts with an F, which I didn't work with, we would call and ask. And back then, this was years ago, that company did not maintain any of the beneficiary records on the 401k that I happened to have a lot of clients that had that 401k. And so we would always then add it. But Mm -hmm. that happens so many times. And, listener, I know we don't usually talk about money on this show, but if you haven't updated your beneficiary, I would actually put it in my calendar to – double check your beneficiaries every year, like on your birthday or in January or whenever, just consistently, mm-hmm. because these companies merge, And when they merge, their computer systems can also get messed up. So even if you never changed your beneficiary, don't need to, don't want to, double check it anyway. Mm-hmm. Sorry, there's my soapbox. I'll get off of it now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what were, were there any other differences that they had come to mind when it comes to Planning for retirement from a, a woman's standpoint versus a man's standpoint?
0: Well, I would say that, that women, uh, just in general, and of course, every person, every individual is different. But from my knowledge, a lot of women would not save because they were caring for family members, either their own children or their parents, and or they were saving for college or something like that for their children. And when they get to the point where – many of them get to the point where it's too late, you know, and they're going to be living in poverty basically. And so many older women do live in poverty. They're well below the poverty line. And one of the things that I encourage people to do rather than live in poverty is, is location arbitrage. I just created that phrase. It's probably, (laughs) it's probably created somewhere else, but location arbitrage, you can live somewhere else cheaper than where you are currently living. And whether that means move to a different state, whether that means move to a different country, a lot of women don't want to move to another country because their grandkids are wherever, but you can live such a better life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you do that location arbitrage, then trying to, like, let's say you live in San Diego or New York or something, that's going to be very mm-hmm. difficult if you haven't saved
1: any money. And, you know, earlier you mentioned the golden girls. Yeah, I want to and, live like that. Well, that that's actually sort of a, a model where, you know, people come together, women in this case, single, divorced, widowed, and they live together because, as you said, it's cheaper for people to pool their resources and share these expenses, shared
0: housing, and it, and it
1: also provides you that, that buffer from becoming isolated. That's right. The socialization
0: lonely, that we all need, which is
1: so important from the non-financial side of retirement. So, you know, that kind of helps solve a lot of problems that women face, you know, as they get into the retirement planning and retirement living, you know, banding and grouping together. And it comes easier for women, I think, because I could never do that.
0: Yeah. That's what I my could, husband uh, says.
1: And together with a group of guys it would be like, oh my God, we'd be you know, <laughs> on dateline some night you know for the murder but women can do it much more easily because you know, they just have better socialization skills.
0: I think that in the future they'll probably design. In fact, I'm listening to young people telling me that they have these shared housings now in larger mm-hmm. cities right. where everybody has their own room and bathroom. Um, there's a shared kitchen and shared living space. And so mm-hmm. if you really want your privacy, you just go into your bedroom mm-hmm. and your own bathroom. I, I, personally, I don't want to share a bathroom, okay? Oh. But let's or say you have – a kitchen a
1: guy.
0: <laughs> I do understand that about the whole kitchen thing. But I think people can manage a kitchen if they've set their expectations in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And you could also do something like have separate – uh, not closets but you know cupboards for your mm-hmm. own right. food and then just maybe maybe things could be shared like milk and eggs I don't know
1: so you're you're proving my point you're you're coming with all the ways to make it work and I'm like no, no. no, no <laughs> I <can't even> imagine. <laughs> did you not share in college I did and that's kind of why I'm traumatized to this day <laughs>
0: But by the time you are an older adult, you've gone through those those college years and hopefully you've you've straightened your, up your act. You know, you're not drinking other people's beer and
1: doing all the uh, things think, at college. I think, I think we proved the point, I think.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely.
1: Know, looking at this whole serious issue of, you know, kind of the challenges that women face when it comes to um, planning for retirement and living in retirement, I did a little research and I found a really... Excellent article of all places, CBS News, August 2017, and, and it's called "Retirement Planning is Hard, but It Could Be Harder for Women." Hmm. And it contains some really interesting links. Um, like there's a link to a financial literacy quiz. You know, the sort of like one of the basics I think in, in being in charge of your retirement is having a level of financial literacy. So you could take a quiz based on the link they provide. Also, taking an inventory of your financial resources. So they help you with well, how do I inventory? what I have because that's really important to have a baseline of all your financial resources and then a paper that's put out by the Society of Actuaries titled Women Take the Wheel Destination Retirement which includes getting legal matters and documents in order figuring out how much retirement will cost reviewing your retirement plan which I think is crucial starting social security assessing divorce and family issues and assessing long-term care so this one little resource I think kind of Captures um, a lot of the things that women have to be especially conscious of as they get ready for retirement.
0: Send that to me, and I'll post a link to it in the show notes.
1: Sure, sure. And there was one other one because I had uh, this author on my retirement journeys podcast, which is no longer in existence, Jan Cullinane, and she wrote the Single Woman's Guide to Retirement. And in it, she talks about she calls the options for living, the five D's, divorce, okay. dating, dependency, death, and deepening connections. Oh, So wrote hmm. a really fun book about, you know, if you're a single woman, which many, many women are or will be.
0: Oh, I know. Many, that- many of my friends are single and some of yeah. them have never been married. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't get married until I was an old maid. I was 42 when I got married.
1: Well, there you go. So <laughs>
0: there you go.
1: But that book's too late for you now.
0: <laughs> right. Because I'm married. Right. But, um, but yeah, we can post a link to that as well.
1: Sure, sure. You know,
0: send me the links and I'll I'll post them.
1: I'll, I'll be happy to do that because, you know, I'm always one of these people that um, I don't like to present just problems or what it is, but I like to offer solutions or, or how to deal with something because I think that's where the, the value lies. It's just not an awareness of a problem, and most people are aware of it. But, well, what do I do about it now that you've announced this problem? Right. How do I, how do I deal with it? And so I'm always trying to think through, well, if I was in the, those shoes – what would I be doing? What would be some good avenues to explore? And I think a retirement plan is crucial. Maybe seeing an estate attorney is really important. Right. Sitting down with your spouse if you're married and going through this stuff, maybe doing that financial inventory with them, and you know, a couple of these things, the books or this uh, this, this other deal where uh, women take the wheel, destination retirement. <laughs> you know, perfect. Yeah, got to educate yourself.
0: That's right. And and since we're going to be the ones quote left hang uh, holding the bag, we have to be proactive. I know for a lot of us, it's it's not in our nature to yeah. talk about money or talk about finances, but you
1: have to. Well, it's more fun to plan for a vacation. And typically, people spend more time planning for a vacation than they do for the retirement. So it's one of those horrible things you've got to do. But it's once once you get past it, my gosh, what a sense of security, satisfaction, accomplishment that makes you feel. And then I always say, you're managing your life and the life, your life's events aren't managing you. Right. That's really, that's really a great feeling.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I think we've covered this topic. Next topic is going to be a fun one. Tell (laughs) us a little bit about the next topic.
1: Oh, the next topic is uh, one of my favorite concepts and it's about happiness. And we're going to talk about the shortest path to happiness from optimizeyourlife.com.
0: That's right. So make sure you tune in next week to the Rock Your Retirement Show and Ted and I will be talking about that as well. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Ted, of course. My pleasure. And we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye. was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show. Uh, when he decided to lead podcasting number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review, whatever podcast app you're listening to,